Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Welcome to Business as Unusual. Today, I'm talking with Natalie Rogers of the Acacia Company. Hello, Natalie. Welcome. Hi there. Nice to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining me today. So before we dive into the businessy side of things, what's the last thing you did for fun that you want to talk in a podcast about? (laughs) Yeah. The last thing I did for fun. Most recently, I hadn't been on a vacation in a really long time, but with some friends from college, we actually decided to do a Cancun trip and do the all-inclusive, hang out on the beach, relax, just read some books and hang out with each other. And that was the first time I had done that. So that was a unique experience and it was great to have some time away. So that was a nice, fun experience. That sounds really fun. I feel this desire for beach that is something about the laziness of the water and the sun and not having to go in and, I don't know, organize your bookshelves or whatever it is that you feel obligated to do when you're wandering your house and doesn't have a specific task. So it sounds like a great idea. There's there's definitely a rejuvenating energy about being near the water, the ocean. It was really cool. One of the evenings we were out and there was a full moon and it we saw the moon rise and that was the second time I had seen that and it's a really remarkable experience. So yeah, really cool. You watch it float up over the horizon, takes 10 minutes to get up there. It's really cool. That does sound amazing. Acacia Company, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the Acacia Company is my diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting business. So we work with nonprofits and businesses to support them with creating systemic change for better and make the workplaces a little bit more people-centered and equitable. That's really our goal. Myself and my two business partners, we're an all-female team, which is really fun. And we came together because we said it's really exhausting that this, these problems and these issues still feel really new for Mm -hmm. a lot of our society, but they've been around for a long time. While many people feel like DEI is a new conversation or a new topic or a new industry, it's really not. And so we said, let's dedicate our resources and our time and our energy towards solving this problem, putting more on this towards this issue to, to bring it to even more attention to the forefront. And we really wanted to support smaller organizations because There's a lot of organizations out there that are wanting to make change and wanting to make sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion are centered and justice too are centered in their organization's work and and values, but maybe don't know exactly how to go about it and are wanting help. Uh, And you can't have an entire in-house department or team to bring on. So they have to allocate their resources a little bit differently than maybe a large corporation might that has a lot of manpower, resources, energy, time, money, all of those things to put behind it. So that's really what we're trying to do is support organizations with figuring out what the approach that's going to be best for them and how to prioritize different initiatives so that the change sticks and that it lasts. And there's some real impact for the employees at the end of the day that, you know, that, that are really the lifeblood of our organizations. Yeah, that's actually, I think, 
so important what you were saying about finding the thing that's going to work for the company. In terms of any business development, I feel like the first step is getting past the idea of what you're supposed to be doing and into the thing that actually fits your business and what you need to be doing. So that's, that's yeah, very Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting working with businesses and all different organizations. There's a lot of really similar things and a lot of really unique things. And so finding that balance of what's true and fundamental for every organization and what's special and unique about this organization. And that could be all kinds of things, even down to just bandwidths and <laughs> capacity to do the work. But also, you know, every organization's got a different group of people. And so that brings a different, unique culture and environment and reality to what are the things that we maybe need to look at first <laughs> versus second and third and so on. So what in your life or past set the stage for you to prioritize this or see this as a need? Yeah, that's a great question. I've I've always been very interested in people and their culture and their understanding. I was growing up always interested in my own heritage and culture and learning more about it. I've got a random mix of heritage of Hungarian and German and Japanese. And so I was open to that kind of thing pretty early age. And I'm from Texas, so there's also a lot of really great Mexican culture that's around and Spanish-speaking environments all around. And so I was always really interested by different cultures. And and then as I grew up, I started to realize that I was really interested in supporting and working with people. I didn't know that was a thing until college, really. And then I discovered, oh, I can have a job out of this. I was about to be a graphic designer and go work and have this big career, do all these things. I wanted to live in the big city and be a career woman. And and then I realized that I had this different skill set, this different interest in supporting people and becoming the people they want to become and living the lives they want to live. And you can't really get very far in that conversation without understanding the systemic barriers that are in the way for so many people. And so making sure that I really want to be a part of removing all of the obstacles that are in the way. And a lot of that is challenging and disrupting some of the status quo of making sure our systems are are intentional and they're not just there because they've always been there and they're working for some people, but reimagining them to really serve and include everybody who's using them. And those usually end up being the best solutions, the ones that are really including everybody. When we design for the most marginalized, everybody benefits, really. The most unique cases, all of these things, we find really amazing solutions that everybody really can benefit from a lot. So no, that's a little bit of the story and and making sure I also have some background in, in business consulting, small businesses. And so it felt like a really important time. And some of it was the timing that says, yeah, let's, let's put some extra attention towards this specific thing instead of general business consulting or general people developments and team culture things. I want to find the intersection of all of this so that way we can start to make some role change and make some real movement in this this level of our society, the institutions and the organizations and businesses that we're working in. Do you have a story about what kind of sparked your awareness like the of the variety of cultural experiences or that curiosity? Yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned, from a very early age, my own culture and background was always something that that was very interesting to me to learn about. And I was I'm fortunate to to know what a lot of my background is and have a lot of 
ancestors and people who are able to communicate that information or kept track of that information. So it was a really interesting story for me to learn about and understand my past. Then when I was in, in college, I joined this, this youth leadership organization that was this global organization. And so I got to spend a lot of time being involved and working in a very global environment and a very broad. This organization had chapters in pretty much every country, 120 countries plus. And so I, and I got the chance to travel a lot. I got the chance to participate in conversations and working spaces with people from all over the world. And it was really amazing and magical to be able to get to know all of these different people and learn how everybody in the world views the world and what every slice of the world has. It's a little bit different everywhere you go. And even within a culture, within a country, within a city, within a community, everybody's got a different experience. Everybody could experience the same workplace different just because of their background, their perspective, their personality, their interests, things like this. And so for me, that was powerful to spark my curiosity and really get me to want to learn about everybody and everybody's experience. And on top of that, when I look about look at the conversation around leadership and what is who's a leader, what are leaders like, what are the most important qualities to leadership or even to a peaceful world. We look at solving the big problems in our world. A lot of it gets, for me, boiled down to empathy and understanding and connecting with other people. If I can really understand and listen to your story and your perspective and just hold space for it and not judge it, not try to walk in your shoes, but just understand what your experience is from you, then I gain a lot of understanding, not just about you, but also about myself. And with a greater level of self-awareness, I also am able to have better relationships and communication and interactions with everybody in the world as well. So for me, it's the more people I learn about, the more cultures and experiences I learn about, the greater empathy I can have and also the greater self-awareness I can have. And, and I think that's an important skill for a lot of people to cultivate. And there's... Not always a lot of resources, I would say, historically or traditionally for this kind of learning or for this kind of self-development. It's not really a skill that was taught to me in, in my education as a child, really. It's not something that's baked in like mathematics is <laughs> into our educations and our schooling and trying to create more opportunities and more spaces for this to be the kind of language we use to connect with each other instead of assumption. Mm -hmm. That's important. And I find that I often find myself reflecting on, oh, I made this assumption. I feel like it's a journey, not a destination. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the title of this podcast, Business is Unusual. What do you, how do you, how would you apply that to the Acacia Company? Business and unusual. I would take that and say, let's disrupt our current systems. Let's rethink them, revisit them, review them. Because for most of our organizations, we've probably not been very intentional about them. They probably mm -hmm. just happened. Sometimes also organizations just grow. And before they know it, they're bigger than they can handle, than their structures and their systems can handle capacity-wise. And also, they become less and less intentional and you start to play. If you're not really proactive about it, 
you often are playing catch up and you're feeling like, oh my God, I've got so many things to juggle, so many things to do. I'm just trying to get to the next day and grow my business. And meanwhile, a lot of times what happens is the rest of the staff is not really the first thought. It's, it becomes more of an afterthought sometimes and when how we're taking care of them and in, in the process of growing and scaling our organizations, that's one of the things that gets overlooked a lot quite often is how do we grow our people function and our people and culture systems and processes to make sure that it's setting ourselves up for a more sustainable business. And so the part of that is this whole thought of how do I grow my business sustainably? Because that's probably a goal I have if I'm running and owning a business. And then on the other side, and just making sure that we're actually not harming anybody in the process of our current systems, because so many of them are because they weren't designed with a diverse group of people in mind. Then they were designed with just a small group, probably, and it probably worked. And it probably wasn't so necessary at the beginning of that that business is great stage, growth path, but as there's more and more employees, it becomes really critical that we look at these kinds of things. How are we hiring and bringing folks in? Have we been using referral networks exclusively or have we actually thought about a really specific process to diversify our channels and how we're finding new candidates? How are we looking at our team meetings and who runs team meetings or who gets promotions or who our vendors and partners are, and are we taking care of all of our employees' needs? Do they feel safe in our workplace? These are some of the things that we have to start questioning a little bit, because especially if we're coming from a place of an, a more advantaged group, we probably haven't had to feel this or see this or experience this maybe so directly. And though it's going to take a little bit of extra thought and attention to actually say, okay, we got to really think about this and reimagine it because it's just been too easy probably for us, if, you know, until now, until this moment, because we just haven't been aware of it. Now that there's awareness, then I would say I encourage folks to to challenge some of those systems, some of those workflows and make sure that they're really setting everybody up for success. Do you have a specific example that illustrates something about interesting about how this can occur or how you set this up? Can you say that another way? Can you ask that a different way? If you're working with someone, maybe there's a recent problem you solve for a client that kind of illustrates how this work happens. One thing that I will say is whenever you're getting started in this work, sometimes it comes in different ways. Sometimes it's, a, it's coming from a place of I'm seeing that everybody else is doing this and I want to also do it because <laughs> I want to be seen as a really great employer, a place to work. Sometimes it comes from a more reactive place where there's been a problem, a real issue that has gotten escalated. And for some folks, it comes from a place of, I really care about this a lot deeply. It's part of my personal values. It's part of our company values. And so we just need to catch up a little bit with the times and we want to be really accountable. And so we want to have somebody check in and make sure that we are really, really hitting all of the marks and, and doing what we say want to do, that we're actually walking the talk. So it can come from a lot of 
different places. And one of the things to keep in mind is how are you actually managing the change? How are you going to actually approach your strategy? And so starting off with some kind of understanding of what are the root problems, actually? What are the root causes of inequity in your business right now? And understanding those deeply is going to be really helpful to actually creating the right kinds of solutions and actually eradicating the inequity. If you don't understand the problems, if you're just addressing surface level stuff, then it's going to perpetuate because it's still going to be ruminating underneath the surface and it's still going to be causing issues. So having making sure that there's a real deep discovery process to understand those things. Now, what I will say is that what kind of discovery you do may depend on how far along you are with your DEI approach. If you haven't done anything in your business before, if there have been no conversations around DEI at all, then you maybe don't need to deep dive in with a big audit of all of your functions of your business. Maybe just start to gauge what is the perception around the EI right now? Are there any hot button issues? What is the awareness of the EI in my organization right now? What's the knowledge levels? What are the skill gaps that we have right now to understand? What's the landscape here? So that I can create a, a plan of action that really does consider a change management strategy that since I, I want to bring everybody along, I don't want to be too disruptive in a way that would make anybody maybe defensive or just generally people are not great with change. And so it's important to actually close the loop with folks. It's important to provide enough information about what's happening before, during, and after through all those stages. And that's true of any new initiative or new conversation that an organization has. But starting off with a discovery can be really powerful. And then there's, we have a little bit of a framework that starts to outline, here's the kind of long-term journey a lot of organizations might take as they're integrating diversity, equity, and inclusion into their organizations. And what it's meant to do is to help folks orient where am I today and where do I need to go? And so we hopefully give them this long-term view so that they can focus on their short-term. Say, I'm at this stage and I know I want to get to this ultimate stage of sustainable growth where it's integrated into what we do and who we are and all the things. And I can imagine it, but that creates sometimes some harmful urgency that makes folks rush into stuff without enough education or thought about the actual way that it might play out or the impact that it might have. And sometimes those kinds of things we rush into may actually end up causing more harm than even we had to begin with. Examples like starting with a DEI hiring project or something like this, right? Just because it's the most visible problem doesn't mean it's the one we should address first. First, we got to maybe start with some education and establishing a shared language around this so that we can have really productive conversations. Then we might love to start creating and developing a vision and a strategy for this. And then we'll work on some structural changes in the organization and, and go from there. We need that awareness first to be able to carry the momentum forward as we're starting to make some of these changes in our organizations. And for some organizations, there's more resistance or hesitancy around this kind of thing than others. And so that's also part of the conversation. And that's why we like to understand what's going on at the beginning so that way we can really communicate more effectively or most effectively 
with our organizations. So speaking of that, who do you typically work with or who would you say thrives best with your service? Hmm. For me, we really love to work with organizations that are in the early days of their BEI initiatives that are trying to figure out what do I prioritize and where do I start and how do I make sure that I'm going about this in the right way. That's I want to do something about it. I don't want to make a lot of mistakes or cause a lot of harm, but I don't really know how to do that. And maybe I don't have a lot of knowledge myself or my team doesn't have a lot of expertise around DEI. So we want a, a more outside expert opinion about how do we actually go about this in the right way. And we really love working with organizations that are in the early stages because there's so much opportunity to do it right from the beginning. And there's some really interesting conversations that can happen then. We also work with organizations that are further down the line too. And that just looks different depending on which stage you're at. So if you've also gotten a lot of momentum already, you've started some initiatives, but maybe you're saying, it feels like we've got things all over the place now. <laughs> it's, we need some structure. We need some focus. How do we focus this? How do we make it so that we're not just doing a bunch of different things, but how can this be a really focused and strategic plan for integrating and advancing these things in our organization further? And so that's those are the kind of stages, I will say. But any industry, any nonprofit or business, we generally work with smaller, mid-sized organizations. But there's there's some kind of work to do for every size and shape and type of organization out there. And that's something that for us is really important, that it's not a one-size-fits-all. That's just not the reality of people work and, and working with organizations that Everybody needs a little bit something different. And there's a lot of things that can be applied across all organizations. But yeah, it doesn't make sense if it starts to feel like an obligation or if it starts to feel forced or it starts to feel like, oh, I got to really find some time to do this. It should feel like a part of your regular business routine. And so finding that pace and finding that budget and finding all of those things for us is really important when we work with organizations. Can you tell me about advice you've received that's changed the way you think about something you do? I think that one of the things that is so critical and was, for me, a big learning when I was beginning this work, it was a really cool point of awareness that brought this understanding of our society and the fact that a lot of the problems that we do face are systemic. And and I've seen it show up in a lot of ways. And uh, until I heard it really, frankly or, or explicitly, I hadn't put the dots together. And when I heard that, it, I it really resonated a lot with me. And it made me feel like there's it, there's a lot of work to do in the people realm. And that was a that was a place that I had spent a lot of time, you know, trying to learn and understand how do people learn and grow and think and feel and all of that. And that's something that's a important part of the conversation. And there's something that's so objective that's just the systems that we can change and we can influence that no matter what role you are in the business, probably there's some part of the process that you have ownership of and that you can influence. And those systemic changes often drive the cultural shifts too. The systems that we work within affect their behavior and how we work within them. 
And so when we change the systems, we often can change behavior of how we work with things. So that was, I think, a really important concept for me to to understand and become really familiar with that this is a really cool way and of affecting change and place to affect change in our society. So how do you, can you talk a little about what you do to keep yourself inspired or recharged? Because I know this kind of work can have its impact. Yes, it certainly can. And it can take a toll on a lot of folks. And I try to show up as much as I can, try to really leverage and, and lend my privilege that I recognize that I have as much as possible. Because for so many folks, this work can be really exhausting. It can be really take a big toll on your on yourself and, you know, your emotions too. And because it is about people and it is often personal sometimes. And and it can get certainly heavy sometimes because of how how much harm and pain people have been through. And a lot it so often goes unnoticed. And so when it starts to feel heavy like that, then you know, the time the things that I really love to do is keep learning. I really love sometimes those moments really inspire me to say, I want to keep learning. I want to learn more. I want to know more. And so I read a lot of books, I read a lot of articles, trying to really get into the conversation and understanding what is everybody else also saying about this stuff? I mean, are there different ways that I could be thinking about how to solve these problems, how to approach this stuff? That's one side of it. Doesn't always happen. I don't always feel excited to do more things or Sometimes I, I need a, an energy release and sometimes sometimes it's really frustrating and there's some anger that starts to bubble up. And usually when that kind of thing happens, I like to get physical. And so I'll, I really love to, to do Latin dancing. That's one of my favorite things to go do in salsa and bachata. So I'll go out and I'll dance and use, use my energy physically and get out of my mind and my head space and into my body a bit more and do some yoga gets the blood flowing and gets me into my body a little bit. And a lot of it is spending some time recharging in nature. For me, that's a really powerful energizer. And so that's something that I try to make sure that I do a lot. And sometimes it means walking and taking some time to just walk in nature. Sometimes it means getting in and doing some gardening, getting my hands dirty, getting into it. And sometimes it, it also means taking a beat and taking a day off or commiserating or, you know, being in community with other folks that are doing this work. That's a really powerful place to be and because there's there's a lot of power in shared experience. And so being in community with other folks doing this work could be really relieving or rejuvenating as well. What does success look like to you? Success to me looks like equitable organizations that are centering justice and really including all of their people. You know, that in a lot of ways, a lot of our systems are have a lot of uh, gaps and are somewhere I would call broken. And so there's definitely some fixing and some repair that has to happen. And that's important for organizations to realize that they can be drivers and leaders in that kind of change. And Really, the way you start to, to measure it is starting the employees, right? We talk a lot about how when we work with organizations, we're working with the leadership often. But our end user, our customer really is the staff, the employees. 
those are the folks that we're really trying to center and make sure that they're taken care of and that their leaders are prepared and up to date and got the latest understandings and teachings around leadership and how to run their systems and businesses in the right way that does center their people. As we as I mentioned earlier, they're the lifeblood of our organizations. We don't really have much if we don't have our people in our organizations. And as our society changes, as more people become aware of the problems and their needs, then yeah, the things we have to do must shift to accommodate some of it. And it looks a little bit different in every organization, but it's important that those conversations are happening. And the best thing that I really love to see is folks being really curious and genuine, genuinely curious about learning more about doing the personal journey that's required to uncover your own bias, to, to really understand the society and how you fit into that story and how your privilege, how your life, your background, your culture has influenced those choices and to hopefully develop some empathy for the other types of experiences that everybody else has, because there are so many different kinds of experiences of our world and our society. Not everybody is is experiencing your workplace or your city or your state in the same way. And I love to see when folks are really starting to open their minds to those kinds of conversations. Because it's just, it's really easy to sit in your little bubble. You know, it's usually pretty comfy there. And so to get outside of that a little bit and challenge it for your own growth and for the growth of others and for our communities that's what's really cool and what feels like success when we're really starting to actually make some changes like this. But the outcome is really that that our workplaces are people-centered and equitable. So for folks who are listening and want to know more, follow you, hire you, suggest you to someone, what's the best way for them to contact you and find more about what you're up to? Yeah, so there's a few different ways that I'll say the probably the most interesting for folks who are curious to learn more is on our website, there's a DEI strategy assessment. I encourage you to take that and you'll get a free report about which stage your organization is at in that framework and what are some priorities that you should consider and what to do there. And then I'll set up a call with you, chat with you about it. So that one's a really interesting offering, I would say way to connect. The other is our LinkedIn newsletter. It's called the Sustainable Strategies. It's Sustainable DEI Strategies blog, and it's you can find it through our LinkedIn page, the Acacia Company. That's another great one to get some learning about specifically DEI strategy and what that looks like for organizations, how to develop one, how to create one, what to do, depending on which state you're at. And there's a lot of learning on our Instagram and our LinkedIn just in general of different kinds of posts and articles that we share often from other influencers and other really amazing thought leaders in the DEI space. And of course, you can always message me, email me. You can contact me through my website and we can set up some time to chat about your organization and what your questions are about DEI and what it looks like maybe for your company. Well, that sounds really great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to people today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a really lovely conversation. It's always a great experience to to be asked these kinds of questions and reflect on these things for myself. So it was great to be able to share the space with you and everybody as well.